For many people, sidewalk counseling and 11th hour ministries are a necessary component of the pro-life movement, but often something of an exercise in futility where you see people walk past or drive into the abortion facility and there's very little, if anything, that you can do to sway their decision at such a late moment in their journey. For so many, we witness people going into abortion facilities, coming out in tears, and it feels like our hands are tied with very little that we can actually do. But today I am joined by the president and leader of Sidewalk Advocates for Life on how to have effective sidewalk conversations. Hi, folks. My name is Cam Cote. I am the host of the Pro-Life Guys podcast, and this is a show dedicated to equipping you with the tools that you need to have compassionate and compelling conversations about abortion. I'm honored to have you along for the ride for today's episode. And for many of you, you're very familiar with the ministry of the Pro-Life Guys and CCBR, the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform, which is the parent organization of the Pro-Life Guys podcast. We're a group that um, engages people proactively on campuses, at high schools, downtown corridors, on doorsteps across the country and around the world, proactively engaging people in compassionate and compelling conversations about abortion, showing the reality of what abortion does to preborn children. And this is an essential component of the pro-life movement because as many people have experienced, doing only the 11th hour ministry, once people have already booked their abortion appointment, it's often incredibly challenging to sway their opinion. In many ways, I've had it presented to me as in, in terms of that mother has already aborted her child in her heart. And you are trying to resuscitate that child so that there is a connection of humanity. It's incredibly challenging, but incredibly valuable. And for many of you, you, you're probably like me. I have partnered and been a part of dozens of 40 Days for Life campaigns here in Calgary, in Vancouver, in Victoria, in other places across Canada. Um, it's a beautiful and important ministry. But often I have a hard time knowing what should I be doing? Because conversations, when you know the person is not only pregnant, but pregnant and considering abortion are often very different than the conversations that we're having on street corners and on doorsteps where the person we're talking to very likely is not pregnant and even more likely is not currently contemplating an abortion appointment in the next 15 minutes kind of thing. And so I'm super pleased to have Lauren Muzika, um, who is the president and CEO of the Sidewalk Advocates for Life. She was recently honored as the Pro-Life Woman of the Year by the Pro-Life Women's Conference, which actually was hosted on the day that the Dobbs decision came out. Um, Lauren's an incredible leader and advocate for preborn children. She's leading the, the largest in America and arguably one of the largest around the world um, sidewalk advocacy groups out there supporting, mentoring, training teams around the world on how to be effective, compassionate, compelling sidewalk advocates in that 11th hour. And um, I, I think it's incredibly vital that we receive this training. And so I'm really hoping that you in, enjoy the conversation that I have with Lauren um, Musica from Sidewalk Advocates for Life. Lauren, thanks so much for taking the time to join me on the Pro-Life Guys podcast. How's life with Sidewalk Advocates for Life? How, how are things? Oh, so good. I mean, we are still dancing, rejoicing over a post-Roe America, right? 
And I know, of course, a big question has been, for those of you who do, you know, sidewalk counseling, sidewalk outreach, does our work continue? And the resounding answer to that is yes, it's it's never been more important. I know we're going to probably unpack that, but uh, we're as busy as we've ever been still in a post-Bro America. That is so good. We definitely took a day of, of rejoice when got ice cream when we heard. I mean, even up here in Canada, we, we were rejoicing the, the pro-life movement globally. doesn't get a whole heck of a lot of wins, unfortunately, especially not as significant as the Supreme Court ruling in the Dobbs case. And so um, a, a day worth remembering, obviously, and rejoicing through. And like you said, we've... We need to, to take that time to rejoice. We also have a ton of work left to do. And for many yeah. in our audience, we're approaching the pro-life issue, um, trying to reach people before they reach the abortion facility. And yet everybody knows the tremendous value that there is in sidewalk counseling and having an effective, prayerful, meaningful presence in front of abortion facilities around the world. And so, and, and I thought it was really cool. I've, I've done a lot of research into your group and, and listened to a bunch of your interviews and, and whatnot. And I think it's so cool the approach that you guys have taken in the the volume and the the style of training that you are offering um, volunteers, community leaders, whatever it may be. And I was wondering, I know that we can't distill all of the training down into this interview, but I'd love to get a bit of a take as to the angle, the paradigm that you're approaching sidewalk counseling with and how people listening to the this episode and other episodes can be more effective um, sidewalk counselors at their local abortion facilities. Yeah, absolutely. What a great question. Well, just to provide some context, Sidewalk Advocates for Life is America's largest sidewalk outreach organization. You know, we have about 240 locations uh, in the United States, uh, Mexico City and Puerto Rico. And, you know, as people of faith and conscience have had the heart to go to what is the darkest place in their local community and reach out to women and men with loving life affirming alternatives, we've now seen by God's grace, you know, nearly 18,000 women accept uh, life-affirming alternatives, choose life for their precious pre-born babies, and even helped 85 abortion workers leave the business. Now we're celebrating 30 abortion facility closures. So again, to God be the glory for all of that, great things he has done. Um, and in that time, you know, when we started doing sidewalk outreach eight years ago, we're about eight years old uh, with our training tools and support program, even what we're doing now is a little bit different. We've continued to gather information about what we see working well on the sidewalk. You know, what isn't working? Why isn't it working? Really gathering that information to continue to develop this training program. And so what we've developed to this point is something we call the compass and the map, right? The compass and the map. So the compass will give you kind of a general guide as far as which direction to take a life-saving conversation on the sidewalk in front of an abortion facility. And then the map is the one that tells you actually turn left here, turn right here, right? And if you're feeling a little lost, you can go back to the compass. So the compass that we give people, it's a paradigm of mom, baby, God. Now we know actually the inverse is true, right? If we, we as pro-lifers have things in the right order, the natural order, we know that God comes first, a mother puts her children before herself, so it's really God, baby, mom. But a woman in crisis mode, a woman in self-preservation mode has all of that inverted. That's what happens when you're in crisis mode, right? And in her situation, she sees something dire in her situation that is causing her not to think straight. She's pushing baby to the recesses of her mind. She's pushing God even further away because if she stopped to think about what he might say about this issue, then she might change her mind. And that scares her because what she's trying to do is reconcile present with future self. 
And so we teach sidewalk advocates in the very short amount of time that they have with someone on the sidewalk to invert their thinking. This isn't about leaving behind what we know to be true about abortion. It's about bridging that gap, meeting someone where they're at, right? I mean, we've got so many instances of when people do this, that when people are in crisis mode, right, with people who are trained in crisis intervention in many different sectors of society, we teach them to go in through their lens, through their point of view and love them or serve them into the right place. And so we start with mom when we're on the sidewalk. We say things like, we care about you or we love you. We've got real help for you today, right? And once mom knows that we care, then her heart is more open to hearing about baby and then to God, right? Again, the inverse is definitely the the, the truth, right? We want, we want her to come to a relationship with God. We want her to defend the life of her child, but we're gonna start with her first so that, so that her heart is open to that fuller message. We do this through you know, prayer, through a smile, through kindness, right? Um, we see in scripture that it says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads one to repentance. Um, and then with that paradigm, then we can kind of look more definitively at what we say. This is where the five point method, the map comes in. So, you know, the first point is smile and greet and love, which is, hi there, I'm Lauren. Um, I'm referring to our women's center down the road. Again, we like to partner with Pregnancy Resource Center, so we have another place to send her. Step two is uh, give literature and explain the help. So again, you say, hi there, I'm Lauren. I'm referring to our women's center down the road. We've got free pregnancy tests, free sonogram, free options, counseling. Maybe tell her how much she's going to save by going with those services instead. Um, and then I always ask, are you in need of those services? Because a lot of women will turn around right then and there. Oh, where's that free pregnancy test? Where's that free sonogram? And then let's let this life affirming pregnancy center take over and let's bring them the next one, right? But a lot of women will need a little bit more conversation. And so we go to step three, that's ask and listen. So I love to ask a question like, you know, what is it that brings you here today, hun? Is it finances? Is it family, right? And giving her maybe a reason, you know, in, encouraging her to give a reason as to maybe what brings her there. Cause that's where she sees the crisis. It's the enemy is throwing up something in her life says you can't have this baby because of X, Y, and Z. So a lot of times if we can fill those needs, right, then we can we have hope to save the child. So she then will often give an answer. Um, you know, mom and dad are going to kick me out of the house. I can't afford it, right? So we're going to offer a life-affirming solution. So step number four, solve the problem. Or another way to say this is meet the need. So again, it's all about speaking to how we can fill those needs in a life-affirming manner. And then step five is empower her to leave. So we never end a conversation without an invitation to our local pregnancy resource center, uh, or again, another entity that would, you know, offer those, those services, those resources. Um, so I, I love to say, you know, we'd love to get you next door where you can avail yourself of all these wonderful services. We are here for you. You are not alone. We'd love for you to give us a try, right? And again, as people, God's people have shown up to do this very thing, we've seen nearly 18,000 turnarounds in eight years. Praise God. That, that is absolutely incredible. And I, I love the, the somewhat analytical, but still very grace-filled approach to how are we encountering these people? This isn't just a, an instruction manual per se, though there is obviously yeah. guidance. And I love that idea of the compass and the map and how to guide people in this direction. One, one kind of theme that I'd love to bounce off of you, and this is based off a conversation I had with a, the pregnancy support counselor in Victoria, British Columbia, where I, I grew up. Her name is Annette. She's an incredible woman. And she talked to me a lot about the idea of time 
and taking mm-hmm. time and balancing time because in in her mind, abortion um, facilities, abortion industries are trying to ram people through as quickly as possible, not just because of the the profit component of their business, but also because when women, when moms are in crisis, they want to shuffle them through and they don't want them stopping to think about their child. They don't want them necessarily stopping to think about the support that might be available and the strength that they have in themselves and in their family, their community. I'm curious what your take is on getting moms and maybe even dads who are coming to the abortion facility, allowing them a, a space of, of time where they can process what they're going through. Because I, I feel like for a lot of people, they're probably finding out that they're pregnant and within a day or two, probably booking an initial consultation and maybe even their abortion um, appointment what in your mind is that balance of you need to speak urgently to make sure this person doesn't walk through the doors of their Planned Parenthood or abortion facility, but also giving them that space to process what it is that they're going through? Yeah, I love the way that you put that. It really is um, an invitation to pause and consider that there is something else, something better out there for her and her child and her family. Um, we always say that what we're doing on the sidewalk is crisis intervention. And our goal is to get her into the arms of someone who can do that ongoing crisis management. And then that is the pregnancy help movement. And we see ourselves as the gateway to that, right? Um, You know, when you look at someone and just really, again, the eyes are the window to the soul. I heard a a famous sidewalk counseling minister say that, right? The eyes are the window to the soul, really connecting with someone with the concern, the care in your eyes, with a big smile. Mother Teresa once said that peace begins with a smile, right? And so you can see in your very countenance, you know, this invitation to talk. And I think that that's so important, the way that we start that conversation, because it will cause someone to pause, right? If we do it with a lot of care and concern. Now, there will be people inevitably that will blow past you that don't want to take that time. That's part and parcel of sidewalk counseling, sidewalk outreach, right? <laughs> there are people that don't want to hear what you have to say, but I love to believe, and, and we've, we've heard many testimonies of people who blew past us, but then at that two-week checkup after their abortion, finally came over to us for post-abortion healing information, right? And we get them onto the road to hope and healing, and that prevents future abortions. But you know, going back to what you were saying, that is the heart of crisis intervention, is being able to take that moment to pause. You know, We are the paramedics showing up to the scene, and our goal is to get her to the hospital, right? And it's in that very small amount of time. I mean, I've heard therapists say this who have actually served women on healing retreats that that is how women remember those moments is that it was just kind of like time stood still for a second and someone, you know, at least maybe tried reaching out to them or put hope and help in their path. And, and that very precious moment can turn the whole situation around and change time forever. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love the way that you frame that. And I, I'd love to talk, uh, sorry, talk in a moment about some of the testimonies of, of moms and dads that you've had the chance to speak with but before that, I'd love to talk a little bit about maybe a, a reflection or testimony or two from pregnancy support leaders or more so mm-hmm. um, sidewalk counselors that you have worked with and, and their experience with this training. Because, I mean, as Christians, we have a lot of these kind of sayings that that have value in some contexts. And in some contexts, they, they just grind me to no end. And I, I'm sure that you're familiar with the expression, we're not called to be successful, we're called to be faithful. And, and as pro-lifers, it's difficult to grapple with that because obviously success is in many ways out of our hands, that, that it's the Lord who is 
um, bringing about a change of heart. We can't change somebody's heart. It's only the Lord that can do that through our um, presence in his hands, all that kind of stuff. All that yeah. to say, I, I'd love to get may, maybe a, a experience or two from one of the leaders that you've had the opportunity to work with who has said, you know, we've been doing sidewalk counseling for several years, several decades, who knows? And since we've been connected with um, Sidewalk Advocates for Life, we've seen maybe a statistical increase in the number of lives saved, or maybe even just an increase in the number of people willing to partner because they feel better equipped and more capable. Have you had the chance to to get some folks that I, I'm sure that you have tons of people who have loved working with you, but I, I'm curious for those people in our audience who might be leaders of their local 40 Days for Life group, and, and they go out um, Lent after Lent after Lent, and they go out there and they say their prayers, and they don't see a lot of success maybe, but they say, you know, all as long as I'm faithful, as long as we're out here, there's nothing else that I can do. What kind of words of encouragement or, or like I said, endorsement of your group? I, I know it's often difficult to talk about your group in those kind of yeah. endorsing ways because of the modesty in the pro-life movement. But hopefully that makes sense in some capacity. What, what do folks that are leading say about the training that you guys were able to connect them with? No, I love the way that you set that up. You know, it, it is important that we do our best and we leave the rest to the Lord, right? The victory is his. But at the same time, St. Paul admonishes us in scripture to run as if to win, right? And so it's so important that we do have a heart to continue to improve what we're doing in the pro-life movement. If it's not reaching somebody, if it's not actually having an effect, then I think we have a moral obligation to look at what we're doing and see if we can do something better, right? And this issue is complicated because we're inviting another person who has the freedom to make a choice. I mean, they don't have the moral right to do what they're doing, but they do quite often have the so-called legal right. And so, you know, where, where's my role in all of that? And what we tell people in the training is that, you know, no matter who you are, man or woman, introvert or extrovert, young or old, God is going to use your unique gifts and talents to really, you know, affect change, right? Um, God has moved mountains through people of all walks of life who have signed up to do this. And so when we give him our yes, he can do powerful things through us. But again, you know, what we were doing at the beginning of Sidewalk Advocates for Life as opposed to now, it hasn't, the heart hasn't fundamentally changed, but some different, you know, ways in which we're reaching out have become, I think, more effective. Um, so I'll give you a couple of examples where leaders have come back to us and said, hey, this training tools and support program, it was a game changer for me. So one lady that comes to mind is out of Columbia, Missouri, the Midwest March for Life co-leader, Kathy Fork. She's a longtime 40 Days for Life leader. Um, last year was actually named the Pro-Life Woman of the Year at the Pro-Life Women's Conference. You know, this is just a beautiful grandmother that has given herself over to this mission in so many ways. And when she brought in our program a few years ago, um, she said, you know, I have passed out more literature in the last six weeks than in the previous six years combined, right? And it was all about, you know, again, how she was boldly approaching people. We, we boldly approach people with love, but it, it really, I think the training teaches you to really put yourself out there. And there's a risk in that because we might get rejected. But if we remember that, you know, Christ was rejected, then we know that, again, this is going to be part and parcel of what we do. Um, it's so funny because even some of the tips and strategies that are in the training, I would have never dreamed would have been game changers for people. So like for her, for example, it was the universal roll down your window sign, like where you take your finger, you know, somebody's pulling in and you invite them to roll down their window, right? And 
nobody has the 80s and 90s cars anymore where you've got to crank the window down. But for some reason, you know, millennial and Gen Z clients get it, right? Um, and so just that one tip, for example, uh, allowed her to engage in more conversation. Um, I'm also another person who's coming to mind is our leader in Cleveland, Ohio, Andy, who um, is a pilot for a commercial airline, a major commercial airline, and he would travel the country and, you know, at times go out to prayer vigils. And he would always ask, you know, people on the sidewalk when they seemed more organized and they were having more conversations, you know, who are you with? And, and he said that they always said to them, sidewalk advocates for life. And so, you know, I think that some of the genius of, of the program, and again, I say this knowing that everything that we have is because of God's grace, um, is that, you know, these very simple ideas of getting organized, having goals, looking at a site strategically, asking yourself, you know, where are the points of access at the abortion facility? You know, are we making use of the driveway, which 99% of the time is on public right of way, right? It is constitutionally permissible in this country to invite cars to stop and have a brief conversation. Um, what about the cars that don't stop? Do we have somebody at the fence to invite them into conversation? Um, when we reach out, are we getting out the help available right away? Because sometimes you've got boyfriend or mom that's dragging her into the abortion facility, right? And so sometimes some of these really simple things that in a moment of a lot of emotion can kind of start dragging us this way and that way, and we're not thinking clearly, I think the training really helps people center themselves, get a strategy. I mean, God always gave his people a strategy for winning, right? He always gave them a, a, a vision for how they could conquer that mountain, that enemy in front of them, right? And I mean, again, we do this through making use of many of the gifts and talents that God has already given us. Um, so yeah, so there are just a couple of examples from across the country. Love it. Love it. I'm sure there's so many more. I mean, you, you mentioned that you're, you're working with hundreds of groups across the country. You mentioned Mexico, Puerto Rico. Hopefully, uh, we, we can add a few Canadian groups to that as well. Speaking <laughs> to many in our audience are from Canada. I know that we have different legislation around sometimes bubble zones and other things around yeah. abortion facilities. But I'm sure that, I mean, even here in Calgary, we have to stand 150 meters away from the abortion facility minimum we're still having conversations with at least some yep. people and having that prayerful witness, having a very compassionate, compelling signage or something like that, that invite people to come and have a conversation with you. Um, the, the tools are valuable for, for anyone. And I'd love to, as we kind of pivot towards, um, I, we could talk all morning, I'm sure, um, but I'd love to pivot towards maybe a couple of, I saw on your blog that, that there was a recent kind of celebration of somebody who um, went from planning for an abortion to celebrating the, the birth of their child. I'm sure that, as you mentioned, 18,000 or so of these stories that you know of, I'm sure there's many more that you don't even know of, people who um, didn't come and tell you that they changed their mind on their abortion, but um, ended up doing so in just didn't have the time or didn't come back to meet with you guys. I wonder if you could share maybe the a couple of memorable experiences of, of talking with moms, maybe dads who mm. were planning on having abortions and through God's grace and through the ministry of Sidewalk Advocates for Life, chose life for their children. Yeah, sure. Well, I remembered a few years ago kind of asking the Lord in prayer, you know, it would be wonderful, Lord, if maybe I could hold a baby that had you know, been saved through the ministry of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. I, I gave him the caveat, like, it's okay, Lord, if it doesn't happen anytime soon, but it might be nice, right? <laughs> this is just like a humble request. It's so funny. I mean, 
you don't have to. I mean, you've already given your life for me, you know, but by the way, if I could hold one of these babies, right? Um, and it was so funny because it always seemed like my staff or of course our leaders, our local leaders had been able to hold many of the babies that they had helped to save. Um, so it was so ironic that the first baby that I ever got to hold, you know, helped through the ministry here uh, was one that I was directly involved with. <laughs> And so we were on the sidewalk in Florida one morning, three of us from the national team, and it was actually a mom, her sister, and her boyfriend that were going into the abortion facility. And they didn't stop at the driveway. We were able to engage them at the fence just before they walked through the front door and, you know, proceeded in, you know, much of the same way that we do with many people. It's offering the help. It's letting them know that we care, you know, pregnancy centers just right next door. You know, what is it that brings you here? And she was overwhelmed because she had two little girls from a previous relationship. She was working. She was doing a great job supporting her family, but she was overwhelmed by the news of this baby. With It, it was a new relationship. Um, the man actually seemed to have an interest in saving his child. He was open. The sister was kind of on the fence, but really encouraging her to kind of listen to all sides. And so... Anyways, at one point, um, you know, after painting a picture of how they could do this and that we were a community of support, that we would walk with them, painting a picture of life in her womb at that stage as well, um, she said, well, you know, let me go in and hear what they have to say. And this is something that we bring up in the training is that you have to be careful. We have to be careful that we don't panic when somebody says that or when they go into the abortion facility. Sometimes we feel like the abortion facility is a vortex. And once they walk through the front door, they're just sucked back there. And there's there's no hope. Right. And actually, for many of us, you know, even as high as 50 percent of the women who choose life were women that heard our offer of help on the sidewalk still had to go inside and experience the darkness of the abortion facility. And if we've done our job and we've maintained you know, a spirit of peace, prayer, and love, they often want to be back out on the sidewalk with us. And that's what happened. You know, one of the things that I had said to them just before they went inside is, you know, be careful. You are a dollar sign to them. Um, we care about what actually happens to you after this. We care about your family, right? So I had planted that seed. When they went inside, the abortion facility had actually asked for cash from them. They said that they were treated like a number. And as they started to think about what they were about to do, they both began to cry and they remembered that offer of help. And so anyways, I, I remembered I circled up on the sidewalk with our team. I still remember that we hadn't even said amen. And this couple was coming out uh, to say, yep, you know what? We've changed our minds. We want to accept your offer of help. I mean, what a moment, right? And so um, I had looked at her and said, you know, are you ready to go next door and avail yourself of all of our free services, you know, at the, the Women's Center, the Pregnancy Health Center? And she said, yeah, yeah, we are. And so long story short, um, she found out a number of weeks later that she was actually having a little boy. So she had two little girls. This was a little boy that God had given her. Um, and we actually got to do a photo shoot with the family. Um, they discerned that they were called to marriage, and he actually went off to serve our country in the United States Army. Um, so they've been overseas for a little while, just came back to the United States, and then they went on to have another little girl together. So this was not only a little boy that was saved, but an entire family, really. Um, and he took the, uh, the two older girls as his own as well. And so just a beautiful story of fatherhood, of manhood, you know. So we're still in touch with them. They're dear friends. Uh, they're actually, one of their pictures is actually in our crisis pregnancy pamphlet that's shared now all over the country. So yeah, so there, there's one story for you. Um, and it was just so precious to hold that little boy in my arms and realize what God had done. But yeah. 
That is so beautiful. And, and, and I'm sure that that makes countless hours of not only research and background and developing the organization, but, but countless yeah. hours on sidewalks worth it. Right. That, that there's oh, so, I, yeah. I mentioned off the top that there's so few wins in the pro-life movement. And yet you guys are blessed to see wins like that every day. And as much as big yeah. and as abstract as Roe versus Wade being overturned kind of thing is, I'm sure that the joy experienced in, in literally holding a child who was scheduled to be killed is one of the most beautiful experiences that anyone can, can have in their life, I suppose. Absolutely. So. I, I mean, I said at one point that if only one child had been saved through this ministry, it, it would have been worth it, right? All of the blood, sweat, and tears. We know it's a lot to lead a, a nonprofit organization to keep it going, much less have it thriving, right? So many of us know that firsthand. Um, and now to be at a point in history where we're getting ready to mark 18,000 women who have accepted life-affirming help, chosen life for their children, even the abortion workers who have left, the closed facilities. I mean, what God has done is nothing short of amazing. And it, it really has just started with a very simple yes. I think for so many of us, it starts with that first yes, and we just continue to try to give God our yeses, you know. But it really, I think it's so important that we remember that God really is interested in seeing victory in this issue. You know, we pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there's no abortion in heaven, right? <laughs> and when God's people show up at these dark places, it really does light up the sidewalk with so much hope and life and love. People are attracted to that, at least the ones who are open right away. But I also believe that the people who don't choose life that day will remember that a Christian, they, they will never forget that day. Let's be assured of that. They will never forget that day, but they will remember that a Christian was there for them, offering them hope and help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Lauren, I, I have super appreciated the time with you. The last one, I, I want to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, uh, I guess just over a month ago now, you were honored with the Pro-Life Women of the Year at the Pro-Life Women's Conference in Indianapolis. And I'm sure there are so many people who um, have been part of that journey. I just wonder, what, what does that award mean to you and to the team at Sidewalk Advocates mm -hmm. for Life? Um, and, and just a, a a thought on that in closing, that, that through all of the stuff that you've shared with me in the last 25 minutes here, everything that I've seen on the website, everything that I've seen written and spoken about your group, it is such a well-deserved honor. What, is, yeah. what does that award and honor mean to you and the team? It was deeply humbling to receive that award. I had no idea I was going to receive it until just before. And I emceed the entire weekend, which is kind of funny. I was the emcee that weekend. I had no idea I was going to receive this award. And I accepted it, you know, really on behalf of all of the saints that I get to serve day in and day out on the sidewalk. I think it's just a recognition of what God is doing through their yes. Um, there are people, you know, all over the United States and beyond, of course, we know in Canada as well, all over the world that go to the abortion facility and carry the light of Christ with them. And they persevere sometimes through very difficult elements, through you know, the weather or difficult abortion center escorts or even rejection now and then, right? Um, and they're just trying to give God uh, this beautiful sacrifice of their time, of their life and love. And so it really was a recognition, I think, of what God is doing through there. Yes, I'm just so honored to lead them and lead this organization to pour into them and help them to better answer the call that God has put on their life. 
Amen. Amen. And and as I mentioned, very well deserved. We're going to drop links to everything that you guys are doing right now. I want to encourage everyone who's tuning in here to not only share this episode so that you get a, a few of the, the quick pointers, but also to do the training courses, to apply to be a part of the team, regardless of where you are around the world. I, I have nothing but good things to say about everything that I've read and seen and, and this conversation, Lord. I, I thank you so, so much for making the time um, to have this conversation with me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Such a joy. Keep up the great work. All right, folks. That was my conversation with Lauren Musica, the um, CEO and president of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. She is an incredible advocate, a great leader on this front, and definitely some incredible takeaways for me. I've done some, some sidewalk counseling. Um, tragically, I've been very ineffective. I, whether it's ineffective or just lacking success, um, I had this opportunity to um, do some sidewalk counseling out front of an abortion facility in Orlando, Florida during one of our Florida mission trips. And it broke my heart when in spending about an hour and a half in front of the clinic, I witnessed seven moms, a couple of them with their partners, approach the clinic. I spoke to all seven of them and tragically all seven of them went into that clinic and received abortions. That was one of the most heartbreaking days of my life, um, especially coming from a context where I'm, I'm used to meeting people and talking a little bit more academically, often navigating some personal experiences and whatnot. But by God's grace, witnessing so many people change their minds on abortion day in and day out, um, it was heartbreaking. And I remember going into that experience. I've shared this on the program before. Um, I was one of the leaders of the, the mission trip down to Florida. And before I went to the clinic, I actually told the other organizers, you know what, I don't know if I'm actually the best person to go because I know a lot of people have a profoundly emotional experience while they're there. And I I generally don't have that kind of experience, even while doing 40 Days for Life um, and other prayer witnesses. And they're like, no, no, Cam, you can do it. Um, Even if you're not super emotional, you'll be able to speak a lot of insight into the experience and all that kind of thing. And so I agreed to do it. Um, And after, while I was leading the debrief, I remember we, we piled back into the van to head back to the campus that we were doing activism at. And I turned around and I meant to ask the question, how did that go for everyone? But as I was saying that, my voice broke and I burst into tears. And um, I, I can't say that I'm a, a Ron Swanson stoic uh, who only ever cried at his parent, um, father's funeral. Thank, by God's grace, my father is still alive. Um, but I, I can't say that I'm an a overly emotional person, but it absolutely broke my heart to witness those mothers and their, the fathers of those children, the grandparents, the whoever it was that was driving them to that appointment go in and it felt like it didn't matter what I said. And I'm so thankful that now I have a few bits and pieces of training from Lauren and her team. Um, I am definitely going to be pursuing their training course so that I can do a better job advocating on the street across from the Kensington abortion facility, which is the primary abortion facility in Calgary, Alberta, where I live. Um, And I want to really challenge and encourage you to consider doing that as well, regardless of whether your primary ministry is like mine, talk to people on street corners and on doorsteps. I think it'd be Um, very valuable to equip yourself with the tools, whether you encounter somebody in those settings who is currently pregnant and planning on abortion or considering abortion at the very least, or if you're joining occasionally for these witness programs, I really want to encourage that. I've dropped the link in the show notes below. 
So definitely check that out. And thank you a ton for tuning in to the show today. Um, it's a joy to have you along. I hope that um, if, if you're interested in seeing more content, you can go to ProLifeGuys.com. Um, you can go to our YouTube channel, which is also in the show notes. And if you want to help us put more boots on the ground, have more conversations, and show more people the reality of abortion so that they can um, have their minds changed, their life transformed, and society ultimately as an entirety um, transformed as well, um, please do go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash guys. Sign up as a monthly supporter. I'll be catching up on all of the perks and everything. Um, very shortly, we've got our internships running, which you will see very shortly. I'll be interviewing a bunch of the interns from Calgary right now, maybe even a few from Toronto as well. And so thanks a ton for tuning in. I hope that you enjoy the show. If you have suggestions, please don't hesitate to just shoot them my way. And in closing, I actually want to give a shout out. Um, you all know and love Peter Boss, um, longtime co-host of the show. Peter actually had a friend of his reach out and share with him um, hey, Peter, I've been listening to the Pro-Life Guys podcast really recently, and I just wanted to let you know how encouraged I am by your work with it. I am the only member in my immediate or extended family who holds the pro-life views, and it's really tricky to have fruitful conversations with them. So having God-centered and logical talking points is really, really helpful. Thank you. Huge shout-out to you, um, Emma. I, I can definitely appreciate that. Um, a significant portion of my immediate and extended family is not kind of endorsing the pro-life worldview either, and so I can empathize a little bit with that and how challenging those conversations can be. I'm glad that you've appreciated the podcast, and may God bless you in your continued ministry. And same to all of you in our audience. May God bless you abundantly, and I hope you have a great rest of your day wherever it is that you're tuning in from.